government to restore our souls. We put our faith in Almighty God. You voted to make America great again. We are making America greater than ever before, and it's happening before your eyes. We will rekindle new faith in our values, new pride in our history, and a new spirit of unity that can only be realized through love for our great country. The American people voted to reject this corrupt globalism. This is the most important election in the history of our country. And yet, despite all of our greatness as a nation, everything we have achieved is now in danger. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. And when I'm reelected, the best is yet to come. This is Hunter. She's a black lab. She's 14 months old. And she's a warrior in the fight against COVID. Hunter received training to recognize the scent of the coronavirus. If she smells it, she will give a signal and then get a toy. Nothing found in this second grade gym class at the LG Norris Elementary School in Norton, Massachusetts. So she goes on to play with some of the children. But then Hunter is brought into the school library. Good girl. And while first graders have music class on the other side of the library, Hunter abruptly sits down. A signal that. We do have some odor, presence of uh, COVID odor on this uh, bookshelf. She just, um, she actually just, just sat. Good girl. So what I'll do is I'll praise her, good girl. Let her wait it out a little bit, kind of dial it in, try to, try to narrow it down. We know COVID-19 primarily spreads through the air. And Hunter is searching there too. And odor is almost like a cone. If you could picture a cone, the source of the odor is strong at the base like it was on the bookshelf, and then the odor goes out into a corn store. This is Duke. He's Hunter's partner in the canine COVID patrol. This is the school cafeteria. He stops abruptly and sits too. He just found something. And then two minutes later. What did he find here? Same thing. So what happens after Duke and Hunter make their discoveries? We notify parents in terms of if we have information that a student is specific in that seat, we want parents to have that, that right to make a decision about do they want to test and stay the student, do they want to pull the student, or just keep an eye out for symptoms. In addition, after the detector dog makes a hit, 
the areas are disinfected. The now regular visits of these dogs to Bristol County schools, police stations, city halls and other locations is a result of research done at Florida International University. Kenneth Furton is the provost there and a scholar in forensic chemistry. Uh, normally you can train dogs to above 90% accuracy. And when we trained these COVID-19 dogs and we did double blind studies and we published them in a peer reviewed journal, we actually uh, received a 97.5% average accuracy in double blind trials. However, oh, well, that's good. You received a 99, 97 point whatever uh, accuracy in COVID dog sniffing trials. Ooh, I did a newsletter this morning that said, is the pleasure worth the pain? Is the pleasure worth the pain? And it kind of reminds me of what's going on here. Do the ends justify the means? That's the real question. What are we going to do to further give our children PTSD from the negative experiences that they are, uh, that they are having in public school, going to school just to learn I just want to go learn. I want to learn academics. I want to be with my friends. I want to socialize. But today, ladies and gentlemen, if your school doesn't have a metal detector, they more than likely have a cop that either sits at the school all day or visits the school periodically throughout the day. If there are, um, if you're in a bigger city school, they have dogs coming in constantly to smell for drugs and guns and bombs. And now, ladies and gentlemen, they have added to that kind of a terrible experience for a child to go to school. And now they're bringing in COVID-19 dogs to smell for possible COVID-19 infection. And if they get a hit, well, then we notify the parents, we notify the school, we shut everything down, ladies and gentlemen, because the flu is going to kill the entire world. That's the kind of stuff we're dealing with. Again, do the ends justify the means? And I would say no. Because what more are we going to do to these kids that, that hasn't been done already? What more? Imagine, imagine a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth grader going through everything they've went through for the last two years, growing up, looking back on this. They won't look back on this like you and I look back on this because you and I had a normal childhood for the most part. You and I went to school. You and I got hurt. You and I made stupid decisions and learned from them. You and I had a normal, I'll put that in quotes, childhood. When these kids look back on their childhood, they're not going to remember playing outside because most don't anymore. They're not going to remember coming in when the streetlights are on because most children don't live that way in society these days. They're not going to remember going to school and having that be one of their best memories because of all the... Uh, you know, things that they did, positive and negative inside of school, they're not going to know about, they're not going to talk about that. They're going to talk about this time, this two, three, four years, whatever it ends up being. They're going to think of this time and they're going to, and, and it's going to be a somewhat of a PTSD memory for them. Because how can you look back on this and not go, wow, that was a bad time. You and I will be able to do that because you and, to you and I, this is just a period in our lifetime. But to the children, this is not just a period in their lifetime. This will be who they are for the rest of their lives. And that's why I have a problem with that cold open video that you just saw. You're getting crazy with this, Jeremy. First of all, kids love dogs as far as what they're using them for. They use dogs for a lot of different things that could be better, very beneficial. <laughs> I, don't, I disagree a thousand percent with that. 
Yes, children love dogs. Yes, children love ice cream too. Children love candy that a rape van is going to pull up and offer them too. Does that mean they should go take the candy? No, the ends do not justify the means in this. That's the way I look at it. You don't need more drug-sniffing dogs, COVID-sniffing dogs with police coming into a school with their uniforms on, with their guns on their holsters. It is a, it is a traumatic experience that, well, children don't think at that, oh, look, a dog. Yay, a dog. They're not understanding what's really going on there. What happens? What happens if that dog sniffs that kid's seat and finds a trace of COVID on there? Guess what happens then? The kid gets singled out, made to put on a mask if they're not already wearing one, separated, segregated from the rest of the class. They have to stay home and quarantine for the next five days. Their parents have to stay home and quarantine if they're found out about it in society. And the jobs say, oh, whoa, your kid got caught. Your drug sniffing dog smelled COVID. Do you see... Do you see the domino effect? Do you see if we let them go one, one way, they're give, a, give them an inch, they'll take a mile? Give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So while you think kids might love dogs, they love candy too. Does that mean they should get in that rape van? I know it's an extreme comparison, but that's the way I'm looking at this. That's, that's how I'm looking at this. Anyway, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You're locked and loaded right here, live from America. Today is January 24th, year of our Lord, 2022. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I am the host of the show, ever so humble and God-fearing, Jeremy Harrell, the hip-hop patriot, from the live free or die state of New Hampshire. And as you know, Mondays are always my favorite shows, and then followed by Fridays. Monday mornings and Friday evenings, my two favorite shows. But by far, but by far, Monday mornings are my favorite because I have a lot of pent-up stories, a lot of pent-up research that I find myself doing all weekend long when I'm not supposed to, when I'm supposed to be <laughs> hanging out with the family. But I'm, I, I, it is my job, and it's what I do, and I love Monday morning. So uh, I want to I wanna start this morning by asking for prayers for a couple of our, our, our live, from a fa- excuse me, live from America family members. Uh, Dale Dupoy uh, has COVID pneumonia and has been hospitalized. Now, I did get that email. I, did, I was answering emails this weekend, and that was all the way back on the 18th, I believe, and the 19th. Uh, however, uh, th- I'm sure they have not fully recovered from, uh, from, that, from that date. Uh, if, they're, if they're not still in the hospital, let's hope they're not. But let's pray for uh, Dale Dupoy and uh, what he's going through. And let's also pray for Rose Darks, who is Matt Darks' mom. She goes in for a biopsy at the end of this month, and he already lost his dad, and he's afraid that he might uh, lose his mom too. So let's, uh, let's pray for both Rose and Dale that they come out of uh, their, their, uh, their surgeries and their illnesses 100% and get ready to, uh, to, to get back into contributing to, to life, family, and society because nobody wants to be, uh, nobody wants to be uh, sitting in a hospital especially in 2022, you might not ever come out. They might keep you forever, as long as you have insurance anyway. So please pray for Dale and pray for Rose. We definitely have to keep them in our prayers. And let me just give you guys an update real quick. We are now, as of this morning, we are now 41% back to where we were uh, before the PayPal purge. And I know a lot of those folks who are going to sign up sent a check to cover what happened with PayPal and they'll be signing up later. So we might be somewhere around 60%, but time will have to tell. But I wanted to just give you guys that update so that you know where we are. And ladies and gentlemen, as well as we're still running a special till February 8th on JeremyHerald.com. Uh, choice of any two colors of freedom shirts for Valentine's Day and you get a small box of chocolates. Please get them out of the studio or I will end up eating them. Um, 
Slabstick said, my buddy Alan also has COVID pneumonia, breathing problems and blood clots. Please pray. Well, that's what we have to do. When we say the Lord's Prayer and we say our prayers throughout the day, we have to keep our life from America family members in our thoughts because uh, there's so many of us who have problems right now. So many of us who have issues and we definitely could use, uh, we could use the Lord. So let's go to the Lord. That's a good segue. Let's go to the Lord this morning. The um, newsletter was titled, Is the Pleasure Worth the Pain? Is the pleasure worth the pain? And the verse of the day comes from Romans 6.23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, to my surprise, a lot of people have never heard the wages of sin is death. They don't understand that death is actually wages. And what do I mean by that? Well, just like when you go to court, because you've committed a heinous crime, maybe you've murdered three people, and the judge is going to give you what you deserve. This is your wages for the crime that you've committed. This is what you've deserved. This is what you've earned. In the same way, the wage of sin is death. When we get in front of uh, of our Lord uh, at the end of our days, the the Lord is going to say one of two things. He is going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you, which would be the worst thing that he could possibly say. Or, ladies and gentlemen, you will uh, receive everlasting life for your belief and your trust in God. So again, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The world loves the pleasures of this world more than they love God. We want to experience the pleasures of drinking, sexual immorality, power, lust, money, war, and much more. Why? Why do we want to, as a, as a person, as a species, why do we want to experience that stuff? Well, the answer is easy. Sin. We're born into it, and without guidance, we run to it like a moth to flame. Without guidance, ladies and gentlemen, we will run to that sin like a moth to a flame, without thinking in most cases, and that's the dangerous part. That is why we should surround ourselves with other godly people rather than those who run towards sin without thinking about it. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have friends that don't believe in God because I do. And I look at it as a blessing and even a challenge. After all, if I don't teach them about God when they when their when their ears are open and their hearts are open, then who will? However, when we go back to our default and run towards sin without even thinking about it. It would be nice if we could stop and consult our brothers and sisters in Christ to see if it's actually a good idea or not. The Bible says that we are to, quote, ponder the path of our feet. And we should most assuredly delay big decisions until after we have talked with our godly friends and prayed on it for the counsel of the Lord. Think about all of your hindsight that you've had in life. Think about the times that you did something stupid without thinking, all to get the pleasure of that act. And then when it's over, you say to yourself, quote, well, that wasn't worth it. Or I should have just stayed home. Or even worse, if I, if I was just one minute later, I wouldn't have been put in that position. How many times have you said a number of those three things? Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Those are three things that you do not want to have to say when you are at the end of your life and come into the presence of the Lord your God. Ten times out of ten, the pleasure will never be worth the pain because the wages of sin is death. Not everlasting life, but lonely, cold, bitter death. 
kind of what the Democrats bring to us every single day in their messages. We will never completely, uh, we will never be completely free from sin in this life, but we can strive for a better way of life with Christ at our side. We can do our best to help others with the wisdom that God gave us as we were brought through our own trials. We can delay our major decisions long enough for God or our godly friends to speak some sense into that decision, and it may just save your life. It will certainly save you from the pain of whatever pleasure that you may be seeking. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before we go to the Lord in prayer, I do want to touch on one thing. Last week, I sent a newsletter out that said, forgive and forget. Um, and that we cannot forgive unless we forget. And a lot of people sent emails back on that, even after watching the show. And I tried to articulate it the best way I could. I want people to understand what I meant. You should never forget what happens to you. That's how you grow. That's how you avoid those situations again. What I was trying to say, and I just want to have some clarification here, was that you have to forget the transgression from the person who caused you pain. Not forget the actual act and the pain that it caused, but forget the transgression and the act of that individual When you forgive them, you have to forget that they did that to you, not that it was done to you, that they did that to you. And I just wanted to clarify that before we kept going, okay? And for now, ladies and gentlemen, please remove your hats and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's say it all together where there are two or more gathered. The Lord is there with us, so let's not be shy. I don't care if you're at work, at home. Say it out loud. Say it loud for your lips, from your lips to his ears. Here we go. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And before we get to the show, I actually want to tell you guys that I have been praying a lot lately for God to show me, um, put me in, in situations, put my path uh, on a path to help other people. I've been praying to God, show me some way I can help somebody today. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it? The last four days, I have been presented with a situation to help somebody else, whether it be uh, financially, whether it be a ride in sub-zero cold weather for somebody walking on the street, whether it be to pay, some, pay for somebody at a convenience store that found themselves short and didn't have enough money and clearly uh, were, were in a bad position in their life. Those are, the, those are the, the situations that we pray and ask God to show us every single day. And when you see them, seize those opportunities, you guys. Seize those opportunities. Because there's no greater feeling, there's no better blessing in the world that God can bestow on you than the feeling of helping somebody else. I promise you, I promise you. And just so you know, we sent out the check for Kelly. This la- uh, I sent it out uh, on this weekend, Saturday. And uh, hopefully they'll be receiving that by Tuesday or Wednesday at the latest. And, that, and, and by the way, I called them. And just to let you know that it's very hard for people to believe that there are people out there like you guys who will financially help them with hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And we always, always, always 
Look for ways to do that, to pull people up. And I want to continue to do that here on Live from America. So thank you very much. We're ready for the first and foremost section of the day. Raise up your cups. Let's take a slurp. And by the way, our slurp fund, our little slush fund, is now up to over $1,200. So every time we see somebody in need, I will contribute a portion of that slush fund, slurp fund, to them to get the ball rolling so that we can help them out of a bad situation. And together, we will prevail, right? Reason will prevail. Anyway, the first and foremost section, I'm ready for news. I know you're ready for news after a long weekend, so here we go. The mainstream media, the fake news, the... This uh, fake news was indeed fake news. The fake news, ladies and gentlemen, is starting to realize two things. Number one, that they are not strong enough to keep Biden or the left and their ideal ideologies and their agendas, they're not strong enough to keep them propped up any longer. And why aren't they strong enough to keep them propped up any longer? Well, it's because of their bad policies. Look, truth is truth. You can only lie so much. And if it's one thing that Donald Trump did in 2016 was he put a spotlight on the lies. He put a spotlight on the people that were, that were uh, manufacturing the lies, which is the mainstream media. He put a spotlight on the people who are informing them of what news they need to manufacture, which is the dirty politicians, both swamp donkey Democrats and r- rhino Republicans alike, the uniparty we like to call them. If it wasn't for Donald J. Trump, all of that would have been nothing but a tinfoil hat conspiracy that you and I clung to for the rest of our lives, knowing the truth, but not knowing how to expose it. Donald Trump did that. And since he came into uh, the political world, since he became the president of the United States, even independents and left-wing people understand how to spot fake news. And that is why they're not able to keep Biden or the left or their ideologies or their agendas or anything propped up any longer because the bad policies are actually starting to seep through the lies and everybody's starting to feel them in their own pockets. Now, a decade ago, they could easily lie and say, well, we know things are time. We know times are hard. We know things are, are tough, but it's not our fault. It's not our policies. It's just the way of the world. We're trying to figure out a way through it. Just like you, that's anything further from the truth. It's like when a Democrat says the, the president has no uh, power whatsoever to affect um, gas prices. Are you completely stupid? Do you literally not know how any of this works? Do you not know how politics works? Do you need a civics class? Do you you need to understand how things work in this country? For you to say that the president has no power to positively affect or negatively affect the gas prices, you have to be a very ignorant person. And there are still people out there that think that. But for the most part, people now on both the left and the right understand how to see fake news and that's what's happening right now and number two because they can't keep him propped up anymore because there's only one thing left for them to do and that is tell the truth because their audience is leaving them left and right the reason why their audience is leaving them left and right is because of the fake news because of the failed policies because of the bad ideas because of the failed fake manufactured agenda that they're trying to force down americans throats And I don't care. You can get behind a keyboard. You can get behind a uh, a computer screen. You can say whatever you want on there. But when the rubber meets the road, it is your household and your wallet. When the actual rubber meets the road of politics in this country and how it affects everybody who lives in this country, it comes down to are you better off today than you were a year ago financially, socially, Everything, education-wise, with your children, are we better off? And most people understand, no, we're not. So no matter what they say in public, they know in private what's really going on. 
They know that. Now, because of the bad policies and because of the truth, they can't keep him propped up anymore. But to keep themselves propped up, meaning the mainstream media and their audience and their income and their advertisers, they have to, they have to switch the path that they're on. And the only place for them to go is to start telling the truth. Now that, now that Daddy Trump is gone and they can't make all the money off his name, what are they going to do? They have to tell the truth. I'm going to play you a couple videos of exactly that. Now, Chuck Todd from MSNBC, his ratings for the last eight months have been really, really bad. Just like Anderson uh, Cooper's, just like Don Lamont's, they've been really bad. So he's decided over the course of the last, I'd say, three weeks to pivot and to start talking a little differently. To start giving his viewers on NBC a little bit of the um, a little bit of uh, perspective from our side, which is the truth. And what's happening? His ratings are going up because of it. When people find truth, they flock to it. Why do you think Live from America is so popular? I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm not the smartest guy in this town. I'm not even probably the smartest guy on this block. But I do have common sense. I am in touch with every act- everyday average people. And I do understand the way this world works when it comes to politics and economics. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to do that. Uh, Chuck Todd's starting to realize that. And he said over this weekend, Biden is no longer seen as competent or effective. That's not Chuck Todd saying Biden is no longer seen as that. That's Chuck Todd in a nice way saying Biden is no longer competent or effective. Or effective. He's just saying, in a nice way, people don't lo- no longer see him as that. But what he's really saying is, he is no longer effective. He is no longer competent. And you know it's bad when Chuck Todd is actually trashing Joe Biden and admitting that the Democrats are in trouble for the midterms. Let me read this before I play the video. After a disastrous year, NBC's Chuck Todd said that Joe Biden is no longer seen as competent or effective. He's, uh, he's no longer seen as a good commander-in-chief. It's because he never was. He's an illegitimate sniffer and thief. 54%, this is by their numbers, 54% of adults disapprove of Joe Biden's performance according to the new left-leaning NBC News poll. And that, you already know that's giving a little bit more credit than what is actually out there. 72%, 72% of their left-leaning poll says that the country is on the wrong track. Quote, that kind of presidential approval rating leads to a shell, um, a shell lack, a shellacking, excuse me, a shellacking for the party in power. Chuck Todd said yesterday, the polls are left leaning. So the numbers are a lot worse than what is actually being reported. It's exactly what I just said. Let's go to the video so you can see this for yourself. This is Chuck Todd actually, actually taking Joe Biden to the woodshed and rightfully so he should. But really, it's just for numbers. And a good Sunday morning. President Biden's news conference on Wednesday was designed to kick off a second year reset of his presidency. Cap recaptures political identity, if you will. But our our new NBC News poll suggests Mr. Biden does need a reset because he's lost his identity a bit. He's no longer seen as competent and effective. He's no longer seen as a good commander in chief or perhaps most damaging as easygoing and likable. In fact, just 5% of adults say Mr. Biden has performed better than expected as president. One of the many lowest, firsts, and fewest in our poll. And as we kick off our Meet the Midterms coverage heading into November, the NBC News Political Unit 
developed what we're calling a midterm meter. It's based on previous election cycles. And it's basically three poll numbers you need to know best. I'm going to start with the, perhaps the most important number to understand uh, the direction of the midterms. It's job approval here. The president's job approval rating sitting at 43%. It's actually you 10 points history, lower than that. It's history shows that kind of presidential approval rating leads to a shellacking for the party in power. How about the mood of the nation? Well, let me show you this. Right now, our wrong track, the nation's on the wrong track number, sitting at 72%. I bet Second that's higher. in a row where we've been over 70%. This is only the third time in our poll's history over 30 years where we've had two tracks that uh, were that off. That, again, would put you in shellacking territory for the party in power. But the one place Democrats are holding up okay is on the question of which party should control Congress. Basically a dead heat, one-point advantage there. But most analysts will tell you Democrats have to be about, up about four or five due to their uh, due to redistricting in order to actually hold the House here. So that puts it in the middle. But as you can see, Two of our three most important indexes is sitting in shellacking territory right now for the Democrats. This is a dangerous place for the party and the president to be at the one-year mark of this presidency. Now, speaking of redistricting, ladies and gentlemen, just to get off topic here for a minute, the Florida legislature bipartisan, uh, bipartisanly uh, drew up new redistricting maps and sent them to Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis is set to veto them and say, no. No, we're not doing that. We have our own redistricting maps. We're going to draw them up and we're going to submit them. Because, again, you got to be careful of these uniparty swamp donkeys and rhinos. They work together. Even if you think you're in a free, amazing state like Florida, just because you have a, uh, an, an amazing governor down there doesn't mean that you have the right people in the state legislature. And that's where the power is. The power is with the people. The people are represented by their state legislature, by their representatives both in the state level and at a U.S. Congress level, okay? So you have to understand that your power, it belongs in your representatives and your congressmen and women. That is where the power to the people resides. And we got to be really careful about their redistricting, what they do behind closed doors that doesn't make national news. That's where I come in. That's where people like me come in so that we can dig to the bottom of that kind of stuff and understand what's going on. So if you live in Florida, be very, very grateful that you've got a great governor who said, I'm not taking those crappy uniparty redistricting maps. They're heavily favoring one side over the other, and we're not going to do that. And I agree 100%. So staying on the topic of mainstream media not being able to prop up Biden or the left anymore, let's go to Anderson Cooper. Let's go from uh, um, NBC over to Fox or to uh, CNN. Might as well be Fox News, I should have said. But either way, CNN, this is Anderson Cooper. He decided to bring an expert on the show over this weekend. This expert spent 60 seconds basically telling you everything bad about this president's um, term, his first year in office, and everything that he's done. And it leaves Anderson Cooper speechless. He just sits there, oh, because Anderson Cooper's not an intelligent person either. Have you ever seen Anderson Cooper away from his teleprompter, away from his desk? Have you ever watched him, like, on the New Year's Eve part? Now, that's probably not a fair it's probably not a fair comparison because he's, he's hammered. Him and Don Lemon get completely drunk when they do the New Year's Eve special. But have you ever seen Anderson Cooper away from the desk and away from his teleprompter? He's not a very intelligent person. He's just not. Now, I don't know what his credentials are. I don't know what his, his uh, education level or wh where he graduated from. But just talking to him one-on-one, -on -one, he's not a very intelligent person. And I'm not talking about the way he articulates and speaks. Because... Just because somebody speaks well, does, does, good, uh, does well at public speaking or, or, or articulates what they're saying in a, in a very intelligent uh, uh, way like Obama does, doesn't mean they're actually intelligent people. Not saying Obama isn't. I think Obama is. But Anderson Cooper is not. 
Watch this video of Anderson Cooper being kind of left speechless from the guest that he brought on his own show. Scott, I read a piece that you just wrote, uh, essentially saying this is Joe Biden doing what Joe Biden does. Yeah, well, he, he I, I never imagined how quickly this would all unfold. The person they sold on the campaign, the nice old, you know, moderate grandpa who just wanted to help everybody get along and compromise is not what we got over the last year. He has no mandate really to do much of anything. It's amazing that he got a couple of things done when the mandate was really uh, pretty clear. 50-50 Senate, a near 50-50 House, and a pretty close presidential election. The mandate was simply replace Donald Trump and don't do anything drastic or stupid. And everything about this agenda is extremely drastic. And he's been angrier than I think people expected. He's been more divisive. He's been more partisan. You look at the issues. We built five years of coverage on Trump out of Russia, COVID, and democracy. The president at his press conference invites Russia to invade the Ukraine. We got more deaths under Biden than Trump. Look at David And now Axelrod. we have the president and vice president and leading <laughs> Democrats question the legitimacy of the 2022 election. Are we any better off on these three issues that we crucified Trump over? I think he has a lot of political problems and an AP poll came out this morning. Look at David Axelrod. Only 28% of Americans want the sitting president to run for re-election and fewer than half of Democrats. This is a disaster. He's right. He's 100% right. And they just sat there taking it because they knew that they're... Now, have you, I know you've seen Anderson Cooper's show before. And, and he does exactly what Sean Hannity does. If he sees something wrong, he'll cut you off and he'll go, no, no, that's not true. But they sat there because there's nothing they can say. There's nothing they can say because there's nobody to lie to. There's nobody to lie to because the people even on the left have realized they've been lied to. So the mainstream media is ditching Biden. And don't think that they're ditching Biden in hopes that they're going to get cackling Kamala Harris because they're going to ditch her too. They're going to ditch her too. This doesn't mean that they're going to go favorable. They're going to have a favorability uh, to, to Trump or Republicans because they're not. They're just going to pick other Democrats. And I saw somebody say that they disagreed that Obama was not a good public speaker. I would, I would disagree with that to a, to, a, to a sense. He does do a lot of ums and uh and, duh, 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 and stuttering. But the guy captivated millions of people in 2007 to vote for him who did not vote for him in 2012. Because, or to, uh, uh, the 2008 election and the 2012 election. But in 2007 and, and the uh, beginning year, uh, months of 2008, he had a lot of people captivated. He even had me captivated. That's how lost I was in the early 2000s. I think he was a great speaker. I think he's very articulate. That was, part of the, that was all part of the ruse, right? To get somebody in there that could really make people like him by the way he spoke. But really behind the scenes, the guy didn't have a clue. He was, just a, he was a puppet for the left, for the uh, globalist agenda. And he was all about it. That's why you never heard of him. He was a senator that nobody ever heard of. Didn't do anything when it came to legislation. Didn't, didn't get any bills that he introduced, passed, or anything. Nothing. He just was there all of a sudden, and he was the president of the United States. And I'll guarantee you, I would guarantee you that that 2012 election was, stole, was stolen. I guarantee you that Mom Jeans Mitt Romney, as bad as he would have been for the country... I guarantee you that that election was stolen from him. And Donald Trump thinks the same thing, actually, to be honest with you. He thinks that that election was stolen from him as well. So there you go, folks. I wanted to start out the day, the first and foremost section, to show you, just like we've kept up with the trend of this being a pandemic of the vaccinated rather than the unvaccinated, we need to keep up with, we need to always be monitoring and always be watching to see what the agenda is. They're not just doing this because they want ratings back. That's, that's one reason. But the other reason is they're already sowing the seeds. You can already see them sowing the seeds to bring in Michelle Obama on her white horse. 
Oh, can't have a white horse. That's racist. Michelle Obama on a black horse. Well, that's kind of racist too. They're already paving the way for a Michelle Obama that comes flying in with her Superman woman man cape. Well, that's sexist. I can't say anything these days. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Also this weekend, I, this is why I love Monday shows because the... The Uniparty, the left and the right, they figured out if they can do everything on the weekends and nobody will talk about it on Monday. They only talk about what happens Monday through Friday. They only talk about what happens Monday through Friday. Well, that's why I love the weekend shows. This weekend, yellow Teletubby Liz Cheney and action figure Adam Kinzinger responded to remarks made by former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich while he was on Maria Bartiromo's show on Fox where he said, that the precedent that's being set by the January 6th committee members could end up putting them in jail. He was 100% right. He was 100% right. Let's actually go to the, uh, to the clip where Newt Gingrich is actually talking about this, where he actually says that they could end up going to jail if, I say when, the Republicans take over in 2022. Hold on. Here we go. <clears throat> oh, of course. And Republican majority in the Senate and all these people who've been so tough and so mean and so nasty are going to be delivered subpoenas for every document, every conversation, every tweet, every email, uh, because I think it's clear that this, these are people who are literally just running over the law pursuing innocent people, causing them to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees for no justification. And it's basically a lynch mob. And unfortunately, the Attorney General of the United States has joined that lynch mob and is totally misusing the FBI. And I think when you have a Republican Congress, this is all going to come crashing down and the wolves are going to find out that they're now sheep and they're the ones who are, in fact, going to, I think, face a real risk of jail uh, for the kind of laws they're breaking. Uh, That's exactly right. Republican majority in the House. I agree. I agree. I agree 100%, Newt. Now, he said those comments, which sparked, like I said, yellow Teletubby Liz Cheney and little action figure Adam Schiff. I mean, Adam Schiff, Adam Kinzinger, might as well be Adam Schiff, to uh, respond to those remarks. To respond to those remarks. Let's go to what she said. Cheney saw the comments and responded in a tweet saying this, quote, A former Speaker of the House is threatening jail time for members of Congress who are investigating the violent January 6th attack on our Capitol and our Constitution. This is what it looks like when the rule of law unravels. She's right about one thing. The J6 committee is exactly what it looks like when the rule of law unravels. And Newt Gingrich is right because he's saying something, he's thinking something that he's not saying. And what he's thinking is when we take over power and we investigate what really happened on January 6th and we really get to the bottom of Nancy Pelosi's um, involvement and the FBI's involvement and the Capital City Police's involvement and money, many, many more left-wing Democrats and uniparty Republican rhinos like Liz Cheney, Mom Jeans, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, Adam Kinzinger, the list goes on and on and on and on and on, right? What he's really saying is when we get to the bottom of those investigations, all you losers are going to jail because everything you've done since then has been an illegal act of Congress, period, point blank. Period, point blank. Also, Adam Kinzinger decided that he was going to come out and say something too. 
over a tweet, and you know what he did? He actually posted a video of Chris Farley um, on Billy Madison where he says, we'll turn this damn bus around. Sorry for the language. Basically calling uh, Newt Gingrich a, uh, a petulant child, really, and immature. Just posting the GIF and, and tagging Newt Gingrich. To posting a little video. It was a GIF. It wasn't a video. It was a little GIF of, uh, of, of Chris Farley just you know red in the face while he's driving that bus on Billy Madison. Their responses, like Liz Cheney's response, and especially Adam Kinzinger's response, Liz Cheney's response at least, even though it was coming from a rhino uniparty you know, way of thinking, at least it was somewhat what you expected, right? And somewhat professional, even though a complete lie. Adam Kinzinger just puts up a gif of Chris Farley. What a dummy. What a dummy. So, for that... There's no short of dum-dums to give either of these two morons. We are going to give the dum-dum award of the day today to both Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney because they have no idea what's coming. They don't. That's the worst part about it is these Democrats are doing all this stuff and they have no idea what's coming down the pipe, but good, good. Keep them oblivious. That's what. That's the art of the art of war right there and the art of the comeback. Keep them oblivious. Don't let them know what we're doing. Or do let them know what we're doing and don't let, if they don't want to believe it, fine. But we're coming for every single one of you. And we're coming hard on the Trump train a lot faster than it was rolling in 2015 and 16. So you got two choices, get on or get out of the way. I'd like to thank everybody who's watching today. We have a very high number of people watching on Rumble. I don't know what the numbers look like on Getter. Thank you very much to the Roku and the Fire Stick people. I updated the show or updated the channel this weekend. By the end of next week, the channel will actually have new content in there, not just Jeremy Harrell live from America. It'll have content in there from Ben Burkwam and Dave Bray and many others. So you see how we're we're, uh, adding to the live from America experience on different platforms. But if you've not done so yet, please share the video. We're always looking for about 1,000 shares. Let's move on to the next story, and that is President Donald J. Trump, Letitia James, and Hakeem Jeffries. What do they all share? Well, let me just break this down for you. If you don't know, Letitia James is the very unqualified attorney general for New York. She vowed, even before she was elected into office, to go after Donald J. Trump, his business, his children, and anything that's ever, ever um, been under that umbrella of, of, of the Trump family as it pertains to business. Because there, she wants to go and get him on some charges like they did Al Capone. They couldn't put Al Capone in prison for what he actually did, so they went and they got him on IRS charge, like a tax evasion, and ended up putting him in jail that way. Same kind of strategy that Letitia James is doing here in the state of New York. The only difference is Donald Trump isn't breaking laws and they're trying to find a different way to put him in prison. They're just literally doing an investigation on him to find something dirty. And in the United States of America, that is illegal. You cannot do that. That is an abuse of power. And if there's nothing to look into, then you can't continue to dig. Well, President Donald J. Trump actually filed a lawsuit late last week that a lot of people don't know about. He filed a lawsuit to get Letitia James and the Attorney General's office in New York to immediately cease and desist any investigations whatsoever into the Trump business, into the Trump family business, any in any way, shape, or form, because they got nothing. All they're doing is they're subpoenaing records that they have no right to subpoena. They're, they're, they're uh, sharing 
private information with people like the New York Times when they have no legal right to do so. And I hope President Donald J. Trump actually takes them to the woodshed in this lawsuit. So President Trump filed that lawsuit to get them to completely stop all their investigations because they're coming up with nothing. Okay? And then you hear over the weekend that the January 6th committee put out this report that showed that Donald Trump actually had an executive order ready to go to seize all voting machines in those states that they stopped the counting in the middle of the night. He was going to use the military to seize those voting machines. He was going to um, appoint Sidney Powell as the special counsel to look into and dig into all election investigation. And Bill Barr was a part of that. Now, that executive order never ended up going through. But the January 6th committee is trying to pin a crime on him just for drafting up the executive order that was never used, just for drafting it up. And guess who said that they would voluntarily go and uh, speak with the January 6th committee behind closed doors? You guessed it, ladies and gentlemen. Bill Barr. William Barr, the former attorney general under the Trump administration, has now accepted an invitation from Liz Cheney and the January 6th committee, Benny Thompson and the rest, to go voluntarily give all the information that he can give about that specific um, uh, executive order that was drafted up. But just so you know, President Trump did have plans doing exactly what we wanted him to do on November 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, all the way up until today. Why he didn't do it, I don't know. But I'll guarantee you there was a very good reason why he didn't. I guarantee you he knew that he was going to leave the office because of the cheating that went on. He knew what was going to be exposed in his departure from the White House. He knew what this first year was going to bring, and he also knew that all of this stuff needed to come out in order for, uh, for him to truly drain the swamp and in order for Americans to truly make America great again. That's what I feel. Now, you may have a different opinion on that, and that's okay. That's okay. But why did Trump scrap that executive order draft? Why did he do that? That remains to be seen. But anyway, hold on. Let's get to Akeem Jeffries real quick. Because if we have all these Democrats who are going after President Trump for taxes, how much he paid in taxes, how much he valued his company at so he could get loans, well, then we need to dig into every member of Congress as well. And that's exactly what's happening with Hakeem Jeffries, because Hakeem Jeffries is the favorite among the Democrats to become the new House Speaker just in case the Republicans don't take over in 2022. And now, after some digging done by both Carl Campanile and John Levine for the New York Post, Representative Hakeem Jeffries, they found out, paid only $200 in property taxes Thanks to a sweetheart subsidy law. Wow, isn't it amazing that those subsidy laws and those tax laws and those stock market investing laws that are basically put into law by these representatives who are elected officials, they also get to use the stock market and they get to do insider trading. They also get to pay zero taxes based on the laws that they are the ones that enact themselves, but yet they want to go after President Trump for using the same laws, the tax loopholes that they use. Brooklyn Congressman Akeem Jeffries, a potential replacement for House Speaker Nancy Punch Drunk Pelosi, already lives in a people's house that is heavily subsidized by taxpayers. 
New public records show that Jeffries and his family reside in a condo unit in a Red Hot Prospect Heights, in Red Hot Prospect Heights, excuse me, paying just $213 a year in property taxes thanks to a sweetheart deal under a law that he supported when he served in a state assembly. The condo that Jeffries bought in 2007 in a 60-story, 40-unit complex on Underhill Avenue benefits from a massive property tax break granted under the 421-A abatement program that housing advocates have long complained is is skewed toward wealthy developers and well-to-do tenants. Well, huh, sounds a lot like something that Donald Trump did in order to build his empire within the law. The law provides develop. See, what happened is Donald Trump uses their laws and their loopholes that they enact, and they don't like it because they don't like everybody else playing by the same game. They don't want everybody else playing the same, by the same rules. They want to enrich themselves, but as soon as somebody else does it that they don't like, they're on him like flies on manure. However, they knew Donald Trump did this for years. They didn't try to stop him until he ran for president and decided to t- tear down their entire house of cards. The law provides developers and residents property tax breaks over 25 or 35 years in exchange for making at least 20% of the apartments affordable for moderate to low-income residents. The generous subsidy program costs the city treasury up to $1.6 billion, with a B, dollars a year in property tax revenues, according to the comptroller's office. The median property tax for the city homeowners is more than $5,000, yet Hakeem Jeffries pays 213 Do you want to see the place that he lives? You want to see the building that he actually lives in? This is the building in New York City. This is, his, this is the building in the condo that he lives in in New York City. Wow, look at that. It's got its own little gate. Maybe that's just for, for, um, for maintenance. But it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful condominium in New York City. And he gets away with paying $213. Now, before he was elected to Congress, Jeffries served in the state assembly there in New York, where he co-sponsored the generous tax break through when? 2032. It's abusive. It's ridiculous, says Michael McKee, the treasurer of tenants. With all due respect, Hakeem Jeffries doesn't need help in paying his full property taxes because the taxpayers are already already paying it for him. They're trying to go after Donald J. Trump with the same kind of, uh, same situation, really. Paying low amounts of taxes to the IRS because he's using tax breaks that they enacted themselves, yet they're using those things as a precipice for endlessly investigating him. And like I said, when you go looking for something wrong, especially from a billionaire businessman, you're going to find something wrong. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. We know how the story ends. And we do win in the end. We just have to keep uncovering this kind of stuff, and we will. Moving on, ladies and gentlemen, fighters. In order to expose all this stuff, in order to win, in order to take over in 2022, 2024, and for 100 years after that, we need fighters. People who are willing to put it all on the line, no matter what the cost is. We've said it day in and day out on this program since November 3rd of 2020. 
And that's what this Republican Party needs. Now, another fighter in this Republican Party who is hell-bent and has been for a long time, regardless of your feelings of this woman, has been hell-bent on destroying fake news, and that's Sarah Palin. Now, Sarah Palin is actually taking her fight to the New York Times, much like Donald Trump is, much like Project Veritas is. And the last I checked, the New York Times has not won a lawsuit against these kind of fighters in a long time. And now trial is set to begin for Sarah Palin's defamation lawsuit against the New York Times. Former Alaskan Governor Sarah Palin. Her lawsuit against the New York Times is heading to trial today. The lawsuit centers around a New York Times op-ed that falsely implicated uh, Palin's political action committee, her PAC, for political incitement in the shooting of former Representative Gabby Giffords. Remember that? In June 2017, the same day that a leftist shot Representative Steve Scalise during a congressional baseball practice, who, by the way, was a Bernie supporter, but yet Bernie didn't have to take the blame for that, The Timers ran an op-ed, the New York Times, I call them the Timers, ran an op-ed headlined, America's Lethal Politics. The piece falsely claimed that that Palin's uh, political action committee had shared a map with 20 Democratic lawmakers, including Gabby Giffords, in stylized crosshairs prior to her shooting that claimed, and they claimed that, quote, the link to political incitement was clear. Palin says the former editorial page editor, James Bennett, defamed her by publishing that claim. Quote, the trial before the United States District Judge Jed Rakiff marks a rare instance of a major media company defending its editorial practices before an American jury. Opening statements could take place as soon as today following jury selection. And though the lies were clear, Palin will have to prove the editor acted with actual malice. To the jury. Ironically, the actual malice standard was set by the Supreme Court in the case of New York Times versus Sullivan 58 years ago. Justice Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch have already been open about wanting to revisit that standard. So they're going to be using a standard that was already ruled on by the Supreme Court that favors Sarah Palin. And I have a feeling that she is going to do exactly what Project Veritas and, Pro- and President Trump and, and many others have been successful at. And that is suing the New York Times and taking even more of their capital and putting them more in a hole, making them manufacture more fake news. And sooner or later, they're going to be none other than a tabloid magazine that you buy at the checkout of your local Walmart right next to People and U.S. Today, whatever it is. That's where they're headed. That's what happens when you tell lies your whole life. Sooner or later, people are keen to that, and that's exactly what's happening. So big shout out to Sarah Palin for continuing her fight against fake news, which she called out even before Donald Trump called it out. She was calling them the lamestream media, remember? Remember that when Sarah Palin was saying the lamestream media, the lamestream media? She said they were false news years before Donald Trump said it. He just coined the term fake news. And now speaking of fighters, we may be adding a fighter to the Republican Party soon. We may be adding a fighter to the ranks of the Republican Party soon. And if we do, it will be only the fault of the Democrats themselves. Now, what's the likelihood of Kirsten Sinema actually becoming a Republican? Probably not very good. Probably only a 10 to 20% chance. 
However, you never know how somebody's going to act out of spite, and you never know how one of these politicians is going to act if you push them to the brink of having no other option. And that's exactly what the Democrats are doing to not only Joe Manchin, but also Kirsten Cinema. Because this last weekend, the Democrats in Arizona have now voted and they have censured Senator Cinema in her own home state. Finally, a Democrat votes against something that will only further destroy the country, and as a result, she gets censored, censured by her only by her own party. The filibuster has been part of the policy in Congress in Washington D.C. for more than a century, according to History.com. And a filibuster is a political strategy in which a senator speaks or threatens to speak for hours on end, which they don't have to do anymore. They don't have to do the hours on end speaking anymore, which is great. But what it does is it forces people to work together. It forces bipartisanship. It forces bipartisanship, and that's a good thing. And that is what differentiates the Senate from the House. The House is a place for hundreds of people to argue and debate for hours and hours and hours. The Senate is more of your cool-down step. Okay, we had a very ramped up, very heated discussion, debate, argument in the House, and now we're going to send it to the Senate for more reasonable and level heads to prevail. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it was designed to be. That's why it's very different in the Senate and the House. Now, because Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin have voted to not destroy that century-old tradition, which actually leads to a better country, the Democrats have decided to punish them for that. Now, I don't disagree. We've punished Republicans for going against the grain. I get it. But where they're going to screw up is they're going to push them into the arms of the Republicans, and then they're really going to be screwed. Senator Simina from Arizona voted along with Senator Joe Manchin on West Virgi- in West Virginia to keep the filibuster, and she's being punished for it. The Democratic Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema has been formally censured by the Arizona Democrat Party uh, Executive Committee for her decisions regarding the filibuster and voting rights reforms, which she voted for. She actually voted for the voting right reforms, and they're still censuring her because her vote against the filibuster change actually ended up being what killed the For the People Act. Chairwoman of the uh, Arizona Democrat Party, Raquel Turan, Turin, Turan, I don't know, Raquel Turan, reportedly said in the statement, quote, on the matter of the filibuster and the urgency to protect voting rights, we have been crystal clear in the choice between an archaic legislative norm and protecting Arizonans' right to vote, we choose the latter And we always will. Further, she says, while we take no pleasure in this announcement, the ADP executive board has decided to formally censure Senator Sinema as a result of her failure to do whatever it takes. Let's let's read that part slowly. In result of her failure to do whatever it takes to ensure the health of our democracy. What she really meant to say there is to do whatever it takes to gain one-party control over this country so that we can cheat forever and ever. That's why she said the words, do whatever it takes. Cinema and Democratic West Virginia Joe Manchin are the only two Democrats to vote against the filibuster reform, which the ABC News claims has derailed the passage of voting rights legislation. So what we need to do, folks, is just do what we've been doing, and that is call Kirsten Cinema, call Joe Manchin, and say thank you. 
Thank you. Not from a Republican. You don't even have to say that you're on the other side of the aisle. You can just say, as an American, as a citizen of this country who loves our republic, not our democracy, we want to thank you very much for sticking up for this country. We know it's hard. We know your own party puts you in between a rock and a hard place and demonizes you. We get it. But we thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. That's what we have to do. And maybe, just maybe, maybe they'll make the switch, which will put a dagger into the Democrats forever. All right, folks, before we get uh, too much further, I got a couple more stories here. I knew we were going to run over today, but I want to go and I want to uh, read for you what my pillow has sent me this week because they have some new offers, okay? The new offers are for January bedding sale, 50% off on all the following with the promo code LFA, all sleepwear, all sheets, all two-inch mattress toppers, all blankets, all quilts, all comforters. You get a 50% off any one of those if you put in promo code LFA and continue to support Mike Lindell and MyPillow and his efforts to fight cancel culture. Also, major overstock sale. Body pillows, regularly $117.97, are now just $39.99 with LFA promo code. Pillowcases, couch pillows, and individual towels. All of those are on an overstock sale. If you use the promo code LFA, you'll get massive discounts on the already discounted um, products, okay? So just make sure you guys keep, uh, keep yourselves uh, going back continuously here and there. Whenever you get the extra money and you want something else off my pillow, use that promo code LFA as it only helps us grow here, especially while we're trying to come back and combat this cancel culture crap we're dealing with. I got about four more stories to go for through here, so I'll try to get through them quick. I know you guys are busy. A Denver elementary school is now teaching kids to disrupt the family nucleus and only support Black Lives Matter agendas. That's actually happening, folks. Right now, it's actually happening in Denver. In Centennial Elementary School in Colorado, in Denver, again, Centennial Elementary School, is teaching children to disrupt the nuclear family and support the Black Lives Matter movement. The teachings were outlined in an instruction guide for kindergarten and first graders on the Black Lives Matter guiding principles for their Black Lives Matter week. The shocking document, this is the crazy part, folks. We know that BLM and Antifa are terrorist organizations when it comes to the destruction and the pain and the death that they have caused on the streets. If if Patriot groups or Trump supporters did half of what BLM did, we would be demonized. Oh yeah, that's called January 6th. So it's amazing to me that school, public school, teaches Black Lives Matter principles, even though they're a terrorist group at whole, not because they're black, because their own website says they're a self-proclaimed Marxist group here to disrupt the family nucleus. I guess just like every school teaches the theory of evolution, even though it's just a theory, but they teach it as a matter of fact. So stupid. So stupid. The shocking document was obtained by the organization called Parents Defending Education. Parents Defending Education put out a tweet that said Denver Elementary School teachers express excitement about teaching kindergartners and first graders about disrupting the nuclear family. They also host racially segregated playground nights. The Denver Gazette reported among the listed principles was globalism, 
which the school described as, quote, our ability to see how we are impacted or privileged within the global black family. Also listed were transgender affirming black families, which was defined as a space that is family friendly and free from patriarchal practices. And Black Villages, which is the disruption of Western nuclear family dynamics and a return to the collective village that takes care of each other. I'm looking at the principles right here. This is incredible to me. Let me pull up my screen so you guys can see this. Check this out. This is the guidelines right here. Black Lives Matter guiding principles. This is it right here. This was the the document that was obtained by that group. Everything I just read to you and more. Literally teaching our children how to be little terrorists. They even have a frequently asked questions segment. And the school previously made waves when they advertised a family, uh, advertised a families of color playground night, segregating families by race. A race. Erica Sanzi, the outreach director for Parents Defending Education, told the Washington Examiner, that the school's BLM instruction guide was indoctrination at any age. She's right, adding that it borders on abuse with students this young. Amen. This is the kind of stuff that life from America is needed for. You're not going to see this on mainstream media. You might be lucky if you see somebody talk about it on uh, Fox News. This is why they try to shut people like me down. Because I'm bringing stuff to you that you need to know as a parent who possibly lives in Denver who possibly sends kids to this school. Now, do you guys remember Act Blue? Remember that organization, Act Blue? Remember about two years ago when I exposed Act Act Blue as a Democratic fundraising website? that actually is an organization that goes out there with BLM and tells you if you want to donate to BLM, go here, and then it links you over to Act Blue. So if you donate $100 to BLM because they are brainwashing the world and saying that we need money to fight back against the man and the white people, and then black people send their money, white people send their money, brown people send their money, Asian people send their money because they're brainwashing and thinking that Black Lives Matter is actually a group that cares about black lives, rather than just disrupting the Western way of life, that money gets um, processed by Act Blue. Act Blue is a democratic arm that actually collects money from their little terrorist organizations like Antifa and BLM, and they put that money to use and disperse it to other democratic candidates throughout the country. So when you donate to Black Lives Matter, you're actually donating to a left-wing, globalist, American-hating constitutional-hating candidate out there who's running somewhere in this country for an elected office. That's Act Blue. And I was so happy to be able to come across this this weekend. When Red Counters, Democrats Act Blue. Raising almost $560 million in 2021. Think about that, folks. $561 million. And places like WinRed are trying to expose these people and trying to collect money to expose them. 
It's a weird world we live in. Nobody should have to collect money to expose another organization that says they're doing right by the community and right by the, by, the, by the country, but really lying behind closed doors. Don't you think that companies have other things to spend their money on to, to make this country better? But yet, we have to spend our money to show you that these people are lying. We have to spend our money. I don't know how much money I spend here to make sure that we have security on our website and, and through our payment processing centers so that we don't get hacked. We're, do you know that my web guy told me that there were over like 10,000 attempts to take our website down this last year? Like 10,000 attempts. You know how much money that costs to stop them or for putting rules or, 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 or procedures in place to stop them just from disrupting what you're trying to do? Imagine how much, imagine the, imagine how much change we could affect in this country if we had 500, if we could raise $500 million. Unbelievable. Anyway, folks, I want to get right to the end of the show here because I know we're over time, but I want to say that Bobby Kennedy Jr., Robert Kennedy Jr., probably became a nationwide star when he spoke at the, mar- at the protest this, uh, this last week in D.C. at the March Against Vaccine Mandates. His speech on those steps was nothing short of epic. Now, Bobby Kennedy uh, put out his book not too long ago, and when he put out that book, he actually started, he actually was saying things in that book that we reported on in Live from America months prior, talking about Fauci and what he did to the, uh, to the orphans in the early 1980s with AIDS and experimenting on them, killing them, causing them to have lifelong diseases forever because of the experimentation that Dr. Fauci did. When Bobby Kennedy put that in his book, I was so happy, not because he actually exposed it on a higher level than I could ever do. But because it showed that the path that we were on here at Life from America was correct. That we were vindicated in the reporting that was done here. That was only made possible by all of you with your Rumble Rant donations and your monthly donations. Only made possible because of that. Bobby Kennedy killed it. Now I want to play you just a few minutes of that speech that Bobby Kennedy did this last week in Washington, D.C., Now, I'm not going to play the best highlight. I'm just going to play a random section, just a couple minutes, because his entire speech was nothing short of absolutely, incredibly amazing. This is Bobby Kennedy in Washington, D.C. this last week. Check it out. And telling us all that every American faced the same threat as elderly people. And that meant that we could not have a rational response that protected the vulnerable and protected people in our livelihoods, our culture, our political freedoms, our constitutional rights, and our values, which are all ultimately public health issues. Now, the one data point that in all of this confusion the fog of war that they created and orchestrated to sow confusion, to sow fear, to make us compliant. The one data point that everybody should know and that we have to regard as reliable because it's the data point that Pfizer gave in its submission to FDA to get its license. We know a lot about the Pfizer vaccine, more than any of the other vaccines, 
because the Pfizer, Pfizer vaccine is the only vaccine that has a license. And until they get that license, they do not have to produce their data. So the only data we really have that's reliable is the Pfizer data. And by the way, there's a half a million pages of granular data which Pfizer and FDA have refused to produce. Well, at least until the federal judge said you need to put those records out a lot faster than 55 pages a month, more like 50,000 pages a month. And they're still trying to stonewall that. But again, I didn't want to play the whole thing. Obviously, we're limited here on time. But the fact of the matter is that if you go back and you watch Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s speech, it was absolutely brilliant, eye-opening, exposing, amazing. And he became a star. Not that he wasn't already a star, but he became a national star because of that speech. And if you've not watched that, I urge you to go watch that whole speech. Again, Dr. Malone, his speech was incredible too. I'm working on getting Dr. Malone, Bobby Kennedy Jr., and Wendy Rogers on the show in the next two weeks. Hopefully, hopefully we're successful at doing that. And all of our time, all of our schedules actually meet each other so that we can actually do that. But I want to go ahead and I want to give Bobby Kennedy today the Smarty Award of the Day for his speech last week in Washington, D.C. He definitely, definitely deserves it. And if you don't believe me, go watch the speech. Now, I want to end the show with a little laugh. A friend of ours. Here on Live from America, somebody that I've talked to before, and I'd love to get him back on the show now that the show is what it is today, and that is John Burke, former military service man John Burke, who is now content creator and very, very funny comedian, especially when John Burke does his, uh, his uh, uh, interpretation or impersonation, I, I guess you could say, of, um, of uh, who's, that, who's the painter there? Bob Ross, is that his name? He does his impersonation of Bob Ross. This is funny. You're going to love this. And this is how we're going to end the show today. (laughs) Check this out. The Taliban. But President Trump doesn't. Hold on, we got to rewind this. One is actually killed. We got to rewind this back. Hold on, guys. Hold on. This is some funny stuff, and I had already started playing it because I was watching it. So let me replay this again. Here we go. Uh, All this blue. You know what it reminds me of as well? Blue check marks on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, you know who still has a Twitter account? The Taliban. But President Trump doesn't. One has actually killed and murdered millions of people, to include homosexuals, and yet they still are allowed a presence on Twitter. But President Trump isn't. Oh, I forgot. We're not supposed to talk about that botched Afghanistan withdrawal that left 13 servicemen and women dead, or the 10 that were killed in a drone strike that they completely botched and killed seven children. Oh, I forgot. We're not supposed to talk about that either. And that's right, you Democrats have been really quiet about that. But again, no more mean tweets. Am I right? I'm with her. Oh, all this blue. You know what it reminds me of as well? I'm with her. He says... I saw somebody said, Jeremy, you never talk about Florida. And the largest employer here due to with COVID, what's going on? I'm not sure what you're talking about, Teresa. Uh, what What company you're talking about uh, or what you actually want me to cover about it but please let me know send me a uh, send me a comment or an email or or a message I'll try to get to it um, but definitely send me let me know what you're talking about and we'll cover it 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for Live from America today. Thank you so very much for joining in on this Monday morning. we got a lot more coming this evening. As a matter of fact, we have some of the RAV team coming here today to help a little bit out, uh, help out a little bit more here in the studio to get things buttoned up a little bit tighter. So I'm super excited about that. And ladies and gentlemen, do not forget that we have a major sale going on right now on JeremyHarrell.com. Check it out. It is your sweetheart Valentine's Day special. Any two freedom shirts. I would suggest red and white, but you get a big discount on them right now. And if you're a donor, you even get a bigger discount because you have a promo code to use. $39.99 for two shirts and you get a free box of chocolates. As much as I argue with my wife to keep them, she says we got to send them out. Anyway, folks, there are right ways and there are wrong ways. But there's only one Yahweh. So stand up tall, keep your shoulders back, keep your chest out, and keep your head up high. Because you are a child of God and no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. God bless each and every one of you. And I will see you tonight for more Live from America from the Live Free or Die State of New Hampshire. Share the video and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Rebirth of America.